1: audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year fall guy fall guy fall guy That's what the poster said see ryan gosling and emily blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy trying to make it out because nope. i don't either it's not what i'm into right now what are you into talking yeah <laughs> <laughs> the fall guy only in theaters may 3rd read at pg 13. happy new year and welcome to the first giant splash podcast of 2020 I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. My guest today is my counterpart with the Arizona Republic, Diamondbacks beat writer Nick Picoro. We're going to talk about the bombshell two weeks ago that Madison Bumgarner had signed a five-year, $85 million deal to pitch in the desert. The Diamondbacks also signed one of Bumgarner's catchers, Stephen Vogt. We'll talk about that too, but without further ado, we're going to talk Bumgarner. Hi, Nick. Happy New Year, and how goes it?
0: Hello there, Henry. How's it going? Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I guess maybe when the season ended, uh, the last thing you expected to do was sit in the press conference room at Chase Field and see that big fella up at the uh, the podium. I take it that uh, this was kind of a bit of a surprise? Uh,
0: yeah, I would say so. I mean, I don't think that the Diamondbacks had like a, a legitimate, you know, top of the rotation arm, you know, after trading Granke in July. But it just felt like they had so many other areas to address that you know spending a significant amount of money on uh, a guy like Madison Bumgarner uh, was just kind of off the radar. Um, but uh, I, I guess I guess when you look at the at the particulars of it, and you you know you look at the dollars and and who it is, um, you can sort of see it making a little bit more sense. You know when especially as I'm sure we'll get into, um, you know, when you're talking about a guy that seemed to really want to come here.
1: Yeah, uh, and I mean, uh, up here in San Francisco, there's there's a lot of angst over this, as you can imagine, and a lot of people think the Giants just, uh, you know, if they, they think if the Giants had matched what the Diamondbacks had offered or even uh, given a little bit more, he would have stayed in San Francisco, and I don't know that that's true. I mean, uh, one of my uh, friends, Carrie Crowley of the Merck was actually at the uh, press conference and uh, he talked to Bumgarner uh, on the side and I, I, we got the distinct impression or he got the distinct impression that uh, Bumgarner was ready to leave San Francisco I mean did, did you sense any of that as well?
0: Yeah I didn't think he wanted to get into it too much I, I asked him a question during the press conference about the difficulty in leaving and I you know he just kind of turned it into a you know a quick a quick thank you to the fans and and all that, and then after uh, he did make it clear that Arizona was his number one choice. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he was ready to to turn the page. Uh, you would I, I would I would be curious uh, to hear what your thoughts are as to why. Um, I, I can come up with a lot of reasons. Obviously, with a a new front office and and uh, you know Bo- Boch on his way out, um, and uh, and obviously the the team is kind of you know, had a big makeover. And, and what else does he have to prove in San Francisco? Um, but uh, but, but I'm curious, what, why, why do you think he was, he was ready to move on?
1: Well, I think you touched on one part of it. I think that uh, he, his loyalty is, as much as he has some loyalty to the SF on the cap, his main loyalty to, is to one of his best friends, who is Bruce Bochy, and also Buster Posey. And, uh, you know, Posey only has two years left on his deal, so if you're talking about a long-term contract, uh Posey you know would be gone after a couple of years and uh I, I think also you know he I think he wants to win and I, I think even uh, though the Diamondbacks might not have been on the cusp of catching the Dodgers um the last uh season or two uh, I think he feels that they at least have a better shot to win sooner than the Giants do but I think the big thing might have been uh that uh, even though he said he really didn't uh Fault the Giants for never offering him an extension. I think he felt that they should have offered him an extension from that very team-friendly contract uh, a a long time ago. And uh, you know, he the Giants uh, are pushing the notion that uh, they were preparing to offer him one uh, right when he got his motorcycle into his dirt bike accident. Uh, Then they couldn't do it. And then they tried to do it. They were thinking about doing it the next year. Then he had his hand broken in the final spring training game. Then they couldn't do it. And then 2018, they had luxury tax uh, concerns. Uh, And I I think maybe to Bumgarner, they they feel that was uh, all excuses. Um, And, I mean, the Giants certainly have the money, certainly have the money to give uh, Bumgarner more than $85 million over five years, uh, especially given how much they saved by uh paying him you know just in the you know, 50 million 60 million dollar range um over the first uh what, what was it 10 years of his contract um and I, I think there probably are some hard feelings about that i think it'll be very very interesting the first time he uh faces the faces the giants um uh i, I take it you'll want to work that night not take it off
0: <laughs> yes i would I would also like to see that very much
1: yeah um and, and we, you know we talking about the money I mean five years and eighty five million it 's a seventeen million dollar average annual value uh, at the winter meetings. we had heard that uh he was looking for five at twenty at a hundred million dollars. I always thought that was more the agent, uh, sort of putting that out there. And I'm wondering, you know, at the winter meetings, uh, every beat writer uh, has a, a time during the afternoon where they go up and, and talk to the general manager and the, uh, the front office execs about how the day went. Did Bumgarner's name ever even come up at those meetings?
0: Uh, well, we don't we don't really get... I mean, it, it did come up, but we don't... Mike Hazen isn't one to, to speak very very candidly about, about free agents. Right. Um, even even in an off the record type of setting i i think we you know we, we did try to ask some questions around it uh but but never really got anywhere but you know yeah the the 585 i mean i i i did feel like once zach wheeler got his money uh that that probably drove Bumgarner into the nine figure range um and i figured that when it came to the diamondbacks that was gonna price them out um i I just i I sort of felt like if you're the Diamondbacks, you're looking at it like, hey, if I can get this guy because he really wants to come here at a discount, like let's let's go for it. But uh, but but you know if, if it's gonna if if we're gonna have to you know get into the nine figures, and we just saw how uh, how costly and, and how difficult it can be to navigate a roster when you have you know a guy like Zach Granke who's who's being paid a very large chunk of, of a you know regu- rel- relatively mid market even small market size payroll. It's just it's just difficult. Probably not a thing you want to walk yourself into if you're those guys. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Bumgarner did say uh, you know he definitely left money on the table. Um, I don't know if if he left fifteen million on the table because he really wanted to come here that bad. I, I don't feel like. I mean, I don't know him very well at all, but just listening to him talk and just kind of getting a, a sense for him a couple of weeks ago, I don't feel like money is the biggest driver for him. Um, and I think for the Diamondbacks, it just it just worked out, um, especially the way he was willing to structure it. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but he's going he's he's going to be making six million dollars in two thousand twenty, right? And the right. other the numbers are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Deferring some of it. And then other numbers are going to be you know increasing over the, the last four years of the deal, which works out great for them because they've got a bunch of guys that are going to be hitting free agency after next season. And it's just kind of it just kind of works out. So it's it's a it's a great move for them in that, you know, they, they still have money to spend to try to be competitive this year. Bumgarner. Uh, if that's really a a thing that he wants to, to be on a winning team um, you know, that he, he's obviously doing what he can uh, you know, with, within reason to, uh, to allow that to happen. Um, then yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, I was, I was surprised, kind of, just about every step of the way that that this ended up happening.
1: Yeah, and just uh, for the listeners, uh, it's a five-year, eighty-five million-dollar contract with an average annual value of seventeen million. Like Nick says, uh, he's going to get six million dollars this year. He's deferring some money, so the present-day value of the deal, which is what the union uh, uses to to actually peg the deal, I believe, is somewhere around eighty-one million dollars. He's he's actually going to do this with no interest, so uh, you know. He must really like the horse facilities in, in Arizona. <laughs> I'm wondering, has anybody, have you ever recalled, and how many years have you been on the beat now? Uh,
0: 12, 13. 12, 13. Like
1: Have you ever remember a free agent citing uh, a place to park his horses uh, <laughs> except for wanting to come to Arizona?
0: Uh, I do remember Troy Gloss steering himself here because his wife uh, was some kind of an equestrian right. writer. So I right. do remember that, but I, I I can't think of anything to this extent. Oh, um, yeah. And I yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see what you know what like what sort of I mean is he gonna he he obviously he's a he's a North Carolina guy that's home. I'm I'm curious to see what what he does to make this home if he's gonna if he's going to actually, you know, buy a place, live out here a, a lot of the year, bring a lot of his horses out, or even more than he, than he would in spring training. I'm, I'm curious to see how, how much he makes this place, uh, uh, you know, a second home.
1: Yeah, um, I, you know, the, the real estate prices are a little better down there than they are in San Francisco. <laughs> actually, Matt Cain's wife is a, uh, I believe, is an equestrian as well, uh, and, and Jeremy Affelt. So, um, you know, uh, they, they all should have ended up in, in Arizona. I did want to ask one more thing. Um, about the money um, you know uh, how the diamond Vags view the back end of this deal uh, i mean here's a guy he, he's turning 30 uh, actually he let's see he just turned yeah he just turned 30 so he's going to be about 33 34 years old uh, at the end of the deal um, and his velocity has declined uh, he's not exactly the pitcher he was during his glory days, still pretty good. Uh, how do the Diamondbacks view, you know, that fourth and fifth year uh, in, in terms of the investment that they're making, what they think they might be able to get out of them?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I do feel like they believe that there are some adjustments that that can be made, um, and I think that, you know, they just hired Matt Urges as their pitching coach, and he spent, what, the last two years yeah. as the Giants bullpen coach. So he brought a lot of uh, kind of firsthand knowledge about Bumgarner, and about bumgarner's willingness to, to begin working with analytics last year and and kind of understand what could be gained from things like edgertronic cameras and and the spin rates on his pitches and things like that I, I feel like they believe that maybe they're just scratching the surface on that in, and that you know they're getting a guy that's that's open-minded and competitive and um, you know I, I, I think like when you when you look at some of the greats as long as they can stay healthy, um, the decline tends to be a a, a little bit less jagged, right? Um, I I think that they're hoping that at least by the end, maybe they're looking at a, you know, sort of the last the last few years of CC Sabathia's time, right? Right. Um, just the guy that at least can take the ball. Uh, show some flashes of greatness from time to time, but but generally just be a kind of stable force in the rotation.
1: Yeah, and you know, he, uh, I did read one story, I believe it was in Fangraphs, uh, or made, it might have been actually a tweet by a Fangraphs writer who, who said that... Uh, that he had one of the best spin rate improvements uh in twenty nineteen among uh among starting pitchers and uh I, I think that you know they do they have they do work on that a little bit in san francisco it hasn't been um as big a uh a, a thing as it as it will be under the you know Fonzaidi and the new coaching staff but you know i, I think Bumgarner is uh a little more savvy than he he makes out to be a lot more savvy than he makes out to be. I mean, everybody thinks of him as this sort of bumpkin who uh, came right out of high school and went to professional baseball, but he's a very, very intelligent guy. And uh, I, I was going to ask about her just as well. I think that was, uh, you know, I think that's a super higher I mean, one of the best uh, aspects of the Giants the last couple of years was their bullpen. And, in fact, that's what uh, the Giants ended up trading away to get some of the, the pieces uh, for the future but as for the diamondbacks does he slot in as the number one right away i mean is it robbie ray uh, are they going to move robbie ray
0: uh i would be surprised if Bum garner isn't starting on opening day um and yeah they might move robbie Ray. i think that's a little bit tbd um they have some depth in the rotation it's not it's not the you know highest upside depth probably i mean at the, the last couple of spots uh, were occupied by you know mike leek and uh, merrill kelly who are kind of similar pitchers. I'm, I'm sure most people know about Mike Leak. Um, just kind of the, you know, take the ball every five days and, and probably end up with a little bit worse than the average ERA, but, but you know, eight innings. Um, so, I mean, I think that having uh, Robbie Ray in the rotation uh, gives them a little bit more upside, and if they're you know really gunning for it this year, uh, keeping him would, would probably benefit them. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've tried to, to stay a bit, a bit ahead of some of those things. The, the Paul Goldschmidt trade as probably the primary example. Um, and if they can uh, get some value for him before he hits free agency, I, I, you know, if it's, if it's the right value, I, I think that they'd be willing to, to do so. I mean, they're always trying to, you know, the, the proverbial balancing the, the present with the future.
1: Well, if the season were to open tomorrow, what do you think the rotation would be, one through five or one through four?
0: Uh, I think it would be um, Bumgarner, Ray, uh, assuming he's healthy, uh, Luke Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Gallen, who they traded for uh, from the Marlins and was terrific after coming over at the deadline, um, would probably be the four, and then I would think Mike Leak would be the five.
1: Okay, and uh, the number three there, uh, just so people know, uh, Weaver, he's the guy that, that the uh, uh, Diamondbacks got as part of the... Paul Goldschmidt trade. I would say he was probably the centerpiece of the Paul Goldschmidt trade.
0: Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, Carson Kelly was, was maybe that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, both of them came over. But Weaver, I mean, you probably remember Luke Weaver walking off the mound in San Francisco in May with an elbow thing. Right. He only made one appearance after that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was very good for them the first, I, I think he made 10, 12 starts uh, and, and pitched terrific. Uh, but But didn't come back. Um, and I, I, like I said, he threw one inning at the end. Um, so he did he did come back, but uh, it was limited. so I think his health is a, is a real question a now, thing to watch in spring.
1: I think oh, well, I think you, you also lost about 500 listeners as soon as you mentioned the name Mike Leak because uh, they all just threw their their iPhones <laughs> at the wall. The Giants traded for mid year 2015, uh, hoping that he could help them uh, get to the playoffs and he, uh, he got hurt, he was terrible. Uh, and they ended up giving up Adam Duvall, and even though Adam Duvall has kind of proven himself to be sort of a fringe major league player, uh, uh, you know, pe- people here think he could have been a forty homer guy if he if he stayed in San Francisco. Um, are you just? Um, I mean, are you looking forward uh, just as a beat writer uh, to working, you know, with Bumgarner and just, uh, you know, just just watching him on the mound, talking to him, uh, just kind of trying to get a sense of who he is.
0: Yes, uh, for sure. I mean, I I think that. That you know, from afar, you you see his competitiveness, and I mean, you know, obviously, there's times when you kind of roll your eyes at some of the stuff that he did over the years, um, barking at players. Um, but then you hear what people say about him um, off the field, and you, you kind of get a sense for what he's like as a person. I, I'm really looking forward to to being around him on a regular basis because I've heard nothing but good things about him in the clubhouse um and and i've heard nothing but good things about him from from you guys from the other writers that have been around him over the years um so yeah i i uh, i i and I'm, I'm i'm also interested in you know like you're saying like just that maybe the reputation of of him isn't isn't quite there i i'm i'm uh, i'm excited to to kind of
1: see how that plays out okay well one of his battery mates from san francisco the last year is going to be joining him we'll talk about that but we're going to take a break first and we'll be back with nick pecorro right after this get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Giants Splash. I'm talking to Nick Bacoro, the Diamondbacks beat writer for the Arizona Republic. We spent a lot of time talking about Madison Bumgarner, and he's going to be throwing to Steven Vogt, and uh, as much as the Giants fans are... Unhappy with the fact that they've lost uh, Bumgarner, a lot of them are, are unhappy that they they lost Vote as well. He was uh, he was just there for a year, very very popular uh, guy in the clubhouse. A good left-handed hitter, maybe not so much as good a defensive player uh, as uh, as Buster Posey was. Uh, why did the Diamondbacks uh, go after Steven Vote?
0: Um, I I think mainly it's it's what you mentioned with the bat. Um, I I think that they. Uh, they saw him as a guy that certainly, when they were facing him, um, gave or put together really good con- competitive at bats um, night after night, um, and I-, I think that they respected that. Uh, and I think that uh, you know they-, they see him as a way to just sort of incrementally upgrade um, their offense. And look, they're not they're they're not going into the year thinking that Stephen Vloat's going to give them four hundred at bats. Um, although he, he, you know, they, they did mention that, that they'd be comfortable with him in certain situations, standing out in left field or, or, you know, coming into a game, uh, late in a game and, and playing some first base or just getting a start at first base or whatever it might be. Um, I don't, I don't think they're planning to, you know, uh, overexpose his, uh, versatility. Um, but, but they just felt like there were some areas on their bench that they were giving some at-bats to guys that weren't really, uh, Giving them as competitive of a bats as they envision a uh, vote being able to give them, and on top of that, um, you know they they raved about everything that they've heard about him from a makeup perspective, uh, personality perspective, um, and they think he's going to fit in really well in the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, he he's actually an incredible guy, and and one thing that might be of interest to you and and uh, any Diamondbacks fans that uh, that are listening. Um, you know, Bumgarner had always had Buster Posey as almost like a personal catcher because uh, you know they they have been together for so long, and uh, we we all thought it was a big story when Bumgarner had to pitch to to vote, and then it actually worked out pretty well. Like I said, he's not the the best um, defensive catcher in the world, but he acquitted himself well, and he he uh, he calls a really good game, and so I imagine that what, Kelly is the starting catcher. Is that uh, is that yeah, what, yeah okay. Um, and uh, you know, just from a, a clubhouse perspective, I'm just wondering what the Diamondbacks clubhouse has been like, and whether they felt the need for a guy like that. Uh, you know, just a, a kind of a glue guy.
0: No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's it's been an issue. I, I think it's been a really good group of guys, um, and I think that they would cite that as a reason why they've been able to surprise over the last couple of years. I just think they see him as being a guy that would fit really well. I mean, the other thing is he's he's left-handed. Carson Kelly's right-handed. Um, and I, I don't think they love the idea of having, uh, you know, personalized catchers. And I think they like the idea of staying flexible and being able to match up. So that that's another thing that that allows them
1: to do. Right. And he, you know, he won't kill you in left field. I mean, he, you know, he's obviously not an outfielder, but he won't kill you out there. Um, speaking of the outfield, uh, the Diamondbacks also got a... Uh, an outfielder I thought the Giants might look at, Cole Calhoun. Uh, he is a left-handed hitter, and that might have been one of the reasons the Giants uh, stayed away, because the Giants are very left-handed. Uh, why did the Diamondbacks see the need, or where did they see the need for Cole Calhoun?
0: Yeah, well, uh, they, they went into last year thinking that Steven Souza was going to be their right fielder. Um, a couple days before the season started, uh, in the, I think it was the second to last exhibition game. He slipped in on, on home plate, crossing home plate at chase field and, uh, tore everything up, uh, in his knee, just a devastating, awful, gruesome injury, um, needed major surgery season was over. Uh, and they wound up giving, uh, Adam Jones, the bulk of the time in right field. Um, he was fine. I mean, he, he, had some big hits for them and had his moments, but just kind of fell apart in July and August, and and they just needed an answer there in right field. Um, and, and Calhoun, uh, I I guess is that guy. He uh, he's he's a he does something that that the Diamondbacks value tremendously, and and that's plays defense very well. Um, I I think that uh, we've seen over the last few years with Tory Lavello that there are there can be guys that will have. You know, uh, multi-hit games, but make a make a mistake at a at a position, uh, and the next day aren't in the lineup. Um, uh, he he really really values defense. He he really thinks that's an important part of of winning baseball games. Um, and Calhoun has a tremendous reputation as a as a defender. Um, another guy like Bumgarner really really wanted to come here. He's uh, he's from Buckeye out in the West Valley. Right. Uh, he went to Arizona State. Um, he, he actually becomes the third guy along with, uh, Mike Leake and Merrill Kelly, uh, the third sun devil on the Diamondbacks roster, which they, they, they haven't had too many ASU players over the years, but suddenly they have three in the room. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he, he's got some power, obviously, um, not a ton. I mean, he hit 30 home runs last year, but everybody hit 30 home runs. Um, he's, I think average, what, 20 homers over the last five mm-hmm. years. So I mean, he's he's a, he seems like a solid pickup. Um, I don't think he's a you know kind of a game changing middle of the order type of acquisition, but I think he'll do some things that can uh, that can help them win.
1: And you know, you mentioned Souza. Uh, he is a free agent. He is a right handed hitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that could probably be acquired, uh, you know, at a bargain rate or, or at least a, a contract with a lot of incentives given his injury. Uh, I do think the Giants are looking at him. Uh, I, I also remember that he uh, got injured in, I think, his first year with the, you know, when he first started yeah. playing with the Diamondbacks. He heard his peck, I think, making a dive uh, out right. in the outfield in uh, the spring training stadium. If the Giants were to get uh, Steve Souza and he. Uh, were a healthy player or becomes a healthy player, what would they get?
0: Well, I mean, as you mentioned, he got hurt uh, in spring training his first year with the Dimebacks and uh, at the very end of spring training his second year. So I never really got to see him at his best. Now, when they acquired him, they saw him as a guy that could do a little bit of everything really well. Um, they they saw him as a, an excellent outfielder, an excellent defender, uh, rangy, fast, uh, good jumps, um, Maybe some aggressive, some over aggressive routes at times, but uh, always scored well in the defensive metrics. If, if memory serves, he has a good arm. Uh, is a patient hitter, uh, grinds out at bats. I think he had just hit 30 home runs in 2017 uh, for the first time. He, he's had trouble staying healthy throughout his career. He had a hip thing. Um, I'm forgetting the other injuries he had in Tampa, but but he has had, had some things pop up over the years. So that's that's a question with him. Um, but, you know, they, they felt like that was a guy at the time that was just kind of coming into his own and, you know, it didn't work out that way. The, the risk obviously is just how much, you know, he, I mean, really he's had a, a full year off last year and, and played sparingly probably only about half of the season in 2018. The question is how much, you know, all that downtime is going to, is, you know, going to have an effect on his ability to kind of step right in and, and produce in 2020. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, very outgoing um uh, fun to be around a uh, good sense of humor so he's uh he's he's he'd be a good guy to, good guy for you guys to cover i'm sure you'd, you'd enjoy dealing with him um oh, yeah. and i'm hoping for for a bounce back from him he's a good dude
1: Okay, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, uh, the Giants really haven't done much of anything on the major league side so far. Well, just to wrap up, uh, you know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, well, I mean, as, as fans in the National League West, uh, who follow the National League West, know, the Dodgers have won uh, seventh straight division titles. They're a perennial ninety-five to one hundred win team. Uh, there's no reason to think they won't again. Where do the Diamondbacks see themselves in the, the entire in the uh, race for twenty twenty? Yeah,
0: I mean they, they they always acknowledge that they always acknowledge that the Dodgers are, are the cream of the crop, um, and that they're uh, you know they have ground to make up. Um, I, I think that they probably realistically see themselves as a wild card contender, or you know if, if things go if, if a lot of things go really right for them, and you know a key injury or two hits the Dodgers that they can't really overcome, you know maybe they're contending, uh, but I, I think they, they realize that probably the most realistic outcome is is them contending for a wild card spot.
1: Okay. Well, um I look forward to the Sedona red uniforms which uh, we'll see in the uh, spring training, I'm sure. I'm not looking forward to the uh, the gray uniforms that look like they all jumped in oh, the Oh, no, pool they and... cleaned them
0: up. They they got rid of those. Oh, they good. Oh, oh, boy. Yes. This... Boy, yes. we buried
1: we buried the lead in this podcast. No <laughs> no more of those gray uniforms, huh?
0: No, they got rid of those and they cleaned up some of that that I don't know, the garbage they have on their <laughs> shoulders. And the, yeah, the the gradient, I think they were calling it. Um, yeah, I, I think it looks a lot cleaner and a okay.
1: lot nicer. Good. Well, thanks a lot, Nick. I look forward to seeing you in spring training. All right, see you, Hank. Thank you for listening to the very first Giant Splash podcast of 2020. We hope to bring you a lot more great content as we move toward the baseball season. Giant Splash is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is Editor-in-Chief. Follow me on Twitter at Hank Schulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com. Support Giant Splash and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions available. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.